All right, we're going to preach the word from Philippians chapter 2. And grace and peace. Amen. Just want to remind the ladies that there's classes that have started uh, last Tuesday morning and this Tuesday night, and they'll be every Tuesday now, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night. And ladies, this will help you. I know all of you are busy. I know you're like, I, I, I can't take an hour and a half to step out of my busy life to go to a ladies' class. And what I want to say is, when you hear that in your mind, whose voice do you think that might be? You think that's God's voice, the Holy Spirit's voice? Is that what the Holy Spirit says? You can't take time to study the Bible. You can't do that. Maybe it's a different voice. So I'm just encouraging. I'm trying to, trying to challenge you a little bit. Ladies, find a, find a, if you don't come to Tuesday, that's okay. It's not a rule. You don't go to heaven because you go to ladies' Bible class. All right. We only go to heaven because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. But I'm challenging you, find a ladies' group to study with instead of doing this on your own. And secondly, I would say that there's a great, uh, I think it will be a great conference at First Baptist Church that's called IF, and it's a women's conference. It's coming up soon. I would encourage all the ladies at Gateway to sign up for a Friday night and Saturday morning. And I know some of you are thinking, where am I going to get a babysitter? And so I would say, let your husband babysit the whole time. And if you don't have a husband, then call uh, somebody else here at Gateway. I'm, you guys are probably all going to call me now, and I'll probably, I'll probably have to do that. So anyways, I'm just saying, let's, let's lean on each other. We're in this last, we're in this last uh, week of this series called Lean on Me. And I want to start by saying this. I want to say that I believe that in general, for the most part, I believe Gateway does a great job of leaning, first of all, and first, mo- first place, leaning on who? God. You are right. You are right. That's the first thing we do. We lean on God. We put all of our weight for our salvation on Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross. No weight on our own actions. No weight on uh, trusting in our own works. We don't do that. We lean on God. And secondly, we lean on each other, and we do a really good job of that. I, I mean, I think there's, uh, I'm not saying we're perfect. We're definitely not perfect at it. But I just want to say this. Look around. Look around the room. Like, stop looking at me right now. Nobody should be looking at me. Look around. Look around at the people around you. I know some of your guests from out of town, but those of you that especially are from Gateway and you know some people around you, this is, you know what? We're, we're a bunch of imperfect ragamuffins bunch of ragamuffins. Amen. We're a bunch of ragamuffins. We're not, we're not perfect. We're not here to pretend. We're not here to be like, yes. Uh, how are you doing today? Praise the Lord. I'm doing great. Yes, I'm doing great. Everything's fine. Everything's perfect. We're not here to do that. We're here to be real. We're here to be ourselves. We're here to lean on God and we're here to lean on each other, which draws a bunch of misfits. And that's what we are. We're not perfect people. And we don't want a group of perfect people. We want people who have who have struggles in their life, and we come together, and our goal, our mission, you guys that go to Gateway, you know, our mission, say it with me, is to grow closer to Christ and encourage others to grow closer to Christ. I challenged you at the beginning of the month to memorize this scripture, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And several of you have come to me and said, I'm doing that. I've done that. I've had, I've had uh, 
those that are in the room here that are younger who've come to me and said, Mr. John, I'm almost done with it. I've got this much of it done. Uh, I've, I've had older people say to me, I'm too old and I can't do it. And I've looked in the mirror and I've said that to myself in the mirror. I'm too old and I can't do this. I have more things falling out of the back of my brain than I have going into the front of my brain. I can't do it. Oh, wait. Oh, hold on. There seems like there was a scripture I memorized. I can do all things through who strengthens me. So I just want to encourage you, even if you're here for the first time today, you haven't heard this challenge yet. Uh, there's no deadline. You don't have to do it by the end of the month. I challenge you right now. Memorize Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It was hard for me to memorize it. I honestly was hard for me. And I had to work very hard on it. And God did help me get this memorized. It's in my heart right now. And the reason I believe this is important, we're talking about our relationships with each other. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, tell us, it, Paul tells us here, he says, look, this is how you handle your relationships. That's why we've got this up here on, on the wall, lean on me, and down here at the bottom, these aspen trees, they go down into the ground. The roots are rooted deep. We want our roots to be rooted down into the gospel of Jesus Christ, into the word of God, deeply into our faith in Jesus. And those roots combine together with each other. We lean on God and we lean on one another. We've heard, we've heard during this month about how God helped one person who's a single parent. And he said, this is how God helped me raise my kids as a single parent. We heard a testimony from some sisters who said, this is how God helped us take care of our aging father the last five years of his life. We've heard from a family who said, this is how God helped us in difficult times with our in-laws. God has helped us. And today we're going to hear about how God helps us in our marriages. And I want to say two things. First of all, I'm so glad the kids are in here. All of you youngsters, we're going to talk about marriage. And I couldn't think, I know. <laughs> Clean up on aisle five, please. I can't think of a better day for our children to stay in than to hear about marriage. Someday it's very likely, it's, you don't have to get married, but someday it's likely that you will get married or you will think about getting married. And I want you to remember and listen close to what we talk about today. And then I want to say this, there's a lot of you here who are not married. Being married doesn't, it's not like a good, you know, like a really poster child Christian is a married person with two kids and a dog and a picket fence. That's not, that's not what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a Christian is have your faith in Christ. So if you're not married, I want to say this. I want to say this if you're not married. First of all, you could be praying during this lesson for the marriages in this room. We need your prayers. Secondly, you could be listening to every single principle that we talk about today. Everything we say today relates not only to marriage. It relates to every one of your relationships with 
your parents, with your sisters and brothers, with your kids, with your friends, with your neighbors, with your co-workers, every principle we're going to talk about today. So, I believe the reason Philippians 2 is necessary is because all of us in relationships and those relationships include disagreements. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> it's universal. If you've got a relationship, you've got disagreements. If you've got a relationship, you've got hurt feelings. If you don't get your feelings hurt in a relationship, either you're not really close to that person or you, you're a friend with a robot, okay? So those are the two choices. If you're friends with somebody, you're going to get your feelings hurt in a relationship. We have fights in relationships. How in the world will we settle these disagreements? How will we navigate through these hurt feelings and hard times? I heard about one lady, she was a farmer's wife, and her husband didn't treat her very well. I don't mean like physically abusive, but just the words he said. He didn't say kind words. He said, you know, words that discouraged her. He said, why are you doing it that way? That's not the right way to do it. My mom did it this way. Ooh, whoa, guys, never. Uh, you know, he said, he said, you know, oh, don't put it over there, you know. Oh, my goodness, you're going to do that again? I mean, he just was a discouraging person toward his wife. And her way of dealing with that was she would go out and milk the cow, and she milked the cow a lot. One day, she's out milking the cow, and her husband came out, and he's standing behind the cow, and he said, why are you doing it that way? That's not the right way to do it. And it was making her mad, and she's milking the cow, and milking the cow like this. And the cow kicked the farmer in the head and killed him just like that, dead on the spot. Bam, gone. It's a made-up story, kids. It's just not, it's not real, okay? <laughs> the farmer falls dead. The funeral, the preacher notices, every single man that comes up to the widow and speaks to her, that the, the widow, yes, she nods her head. She agrees. Every single woman that comes up to the widow, she shakes her head no. And so he sees it the whole time, and he asks her right after the funeral. He says, I, I noticed you were saying yes to all the men. He said, yeah, well, they all came up and said he was, you know, a great farmer, and he was a good friend to me, and we're going to miss him in the community, and we're sorry this happened. Yes, she nodded her head. And he said, well, that explains that, but what about the women? And he said, she said, all the women were asking if the cow was for sale. And so, you know. <laughs> Cow's not for sale. It's a bad joke. There's got to be better ways to settle our hurt feelings and our disagreements than milking the cow. Just, oh, milking the cow. There's got to be better ways than that. And so like we said, first of all, we always need to lean on God. And secondly, He gave us each other as a gift. We need to lean on one another. So we're going to read again from Philippians 2, 1 through 11 this morning. But before we do, as always, I'm going to say a prayer. We pray for another body of believers in our town every single week. Today we'll be praying for the Methodist Church. They're right across the parking lot here. Dustin is the pastor there, and he's the president of the Ministerial Alliance, and we'll pray for them. We always pray for a missionary, and thank you, Cody, for praying for some of our missionaries. And today we'll pray for Adrian Olvera, uh, who works on the UNM campus in Albuquerque and shares the gospel every day on campus there. And uh, then also we pray about a different subject every week. And today we'll be thanking God for this one thing. Thank you, God, for the assurance of salvation. 
First John says, first John says this, I write these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. Not so that you might think you might get eternal, so that you may know that you have eternal life. In the book of John, Jesus says these words, my father has you right in the palm of his hand. That's a pretty sure place to be in the palm of God's hand. So let's pray. After we pray, Miss Toby Carroll will come and read our text for us. I'll ask you to stand for that when we do. And uh, so let's pray, and then we'll stand for the reading of God's word. Lord, thank you for this morning. I feel so grateful to be here with brothers and sisters in Christ, with those, God, that maybe aren't brothers and sisters. Maybe they're thinking about following you. I pray you'd work powerfully in their heart. We know that it's impossible for any person to come to Christ, so we pray that you would draw their hearts to Christ. God, we thank you for the unity that we share in this village with other believers, and we, God, are thankful for those at the Methodist Church. We pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you would uh, help Dustin today as he preaches the word that the gospel, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus, that this would be preached clearly and that you would use it indeed to draw people's hearts to yourself. We also pray today for, uh, for, for Adrian at UNM. I pray for his wife, Mariah, their son, uh, Alfie, for the little girl that you're knitting together in Mariah's womb right now. We pray, God, in the name of Jesus, you would bless this family. And we pray that as Adrian shares on the campus that many who are young, trying to find their way, trying to figure out what life's about, we pray they would hear the gospel, that they would give their life to you, Lord. And Father, finally, we just want to thank you for those verses I just mentioned. We thank you for the work that Jesus did at the cross. We thank you for the fact that he said it is finished and we believe it. And we are completely sure, not because of anything we've ever done, God, but we're completely sure of our salvation because of what Jesus did. And we love you for that, God. Thank you for loving us first. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, let's be standing for the reading of God's word. Toby, come and read Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 11 for us. Well, unfortunately, I'm one of the ones who called John and said, I think I'm too old to uh, be memorizing everything. But <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, I'll be reading verses 1 through 11. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any solace in love, any participation in the Spirit, any compassion and mercy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, with the same love, nothing out of selfishness, or out of vain glory. Rather, humbly regard others as more important than yourselves, each looking out not for his own interests, but everyone for those of others. Have among yourselves the same attitude that is always yours in Christ Jesus, who thought he was in, who thought he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness, and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Because of him, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name 
that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Toby. Paul says here that he wants us to be, listen to these words, listen to think about your relationships as we hear this. He wants us to be like-minded. He wants us to love one another. He wants us to work together with one purpose. Like-minded, love one another, one purpose. Does life ever look that way with two people? Well, I think it does. And I found this video on YouTube that I want you to watch. I've never met these people, but they put it out there for the whole world to see it. I'll tell you what, this is a day when these two people are like-minded, they definitely love one another, and they have one purpose. I love you unconditionally and without reservation. I will laugh with you in times of joy and comfort you in times of sadness. I vow to express my love not only with words, but through my actions. I will always appreciate you and never take you for granted. I will share in your dreams and support you as you strive to achieve your goals. I will listen to you with compassion and understanding and speak to you with encouragement and motivation. I vow to work with you to build a marriage of teamwork knowing that together we will build a life far better than either of us could imagine alone. I will care for you, grow with you, respect you, and stand by your side till the cows come home. I love you so much. I love you too. Our love is like the North Star in the storms of life, constant, sure, and true. When it seems as though life, will, life has run wild and we are in free fall, I will trust and remain calm as I know your spirit will lift me like an angel's wings. You are the burp to my burpee, the man to... <laughs> the man to my breaker and the thrust to my thruster. We will, we will work at our relationship to evolve and grow stronger. Patience and trust will be key of that, I have no doubt. I will use humor, reason, and humility when we must quarrel and remain respectful when challenging you. <clears throat> I trust that when you take my breath away, you will be just as quick to breathe life back into me. We will, <clears throat> we will rise and rise again until lambs become lions. I promise to never skip a burpee, never eat a Twinkie, and always count housework as exercise. I promise, I promise to pray for you so that you may find the happiness that your own soul yearns for, and I will support and encourage you when you found it. I promise to humbly devour your love as I never want to waste a drop. I promise to cherish you for all the days of my life. I will be yours in plenty and in want, in sickness and in health, in sorrow and success. I will dream with you, celebrate with you, and walk beside you through whatever we must endure. You are my person, my love, and my life, today and always.
Matt and Christine, by your commitment, my declaration, and the authority of God and the laws of the state, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Matt, you may push your breath. Pretty good, huh? really beautiful to me, even though I don't know these people, just found them on YouTube, don't know their names, don't know anything about them. So obvious how in love they are with each other. They obviously have the same mind. They have the exact same purpose. It's the same. We are going to have a great life. That's our same mind. That's our purpose. We're going to live happily ever after. What happened to these two people? on YouTube. I don't know, because I don't know them. But I do know. I know what happened to them. Life happened to them. That's what happened. The car broke down, and the washing machine broke, and their kid broke his arm all on the same day. And that happened the day after they spent all their savings on a new boat. One of them lost their job and got depressed, laid around on the couch for about six months, and they had to move in with one of their parents for a year. They disagreed about silly things and about really important things. They said things that they regretted. They disrespected each other. They took one another for granted. They fell out of love. They both got tempted to look at other people who they were attracted to and wonder what in the world did we ever see in each other? They moved from happiness to anger to bitterness to misery. Well, wait a second, John. How can you say that? How do you know? How do you know that's what happened to that couple? Well, I don't. But I do. I know that's what happened to them because here's the reason. Because they're human beings like all the rest of us. And so maybe all that that I said didn't happen, but something like those things that I just said happened to these people just like it does to all married people. What will this couple do? Will they keep their vows? Do you guys remember what our vows were for, those of us that are married? It was for better or... It was for health and it was for richer and yeah who will these two lean on well that i truly don't know but i do know a couple here at gateway who went through a very very dark days and i know this couple decided to keep their vows and I interviewed them, and we put it on video. And I want you guys to hear from two of my great friends, Cameron and Ashley Whitley. I'm thankful for their courage to share their story today about how God helped them keep their vows. You guys watch carefully. Cameron and Ashley Whitley, I am so thankful you guys are willing to do this today. Thank you guys for being willing to share your story with our church family. And, you know, I've known you guys now for 
uh, quite a few years and thankful for you guys, thankful for your family, love you guys, love hanging out with you guys. And when I met you guys, um, you were in a pretty rough time in your marriage. Uh, I mean, that, that's probably an understatement. Yeah. And so tell, tell us about that. Well, we have been married two years, um, so we were still pretty new, newlyweds, and um, we were going to get a divorce. Uh, we pretty much made up our minds, and um, we had both, we were young, um, we're selfish, um, prideful, and God was definitely not the center of our marriage. Um, we didn't go to church, you know, we didn't have a church or a church family. Um, we had no one to lean on but ourselves, and it fell apart pretty fast. Um, and then we had a, a friend um, that can't, well, Cameron's friend, and um, he had, had recommended you before we actually had gotten divorced, well, officialized the divorce. Yeah. yeah, how did that happen, Cameron? Well, like she said, we had printed divorce papers. We both signed them. Um, luckily, we never filed them. But I was talking to a friend of mine, a Christian friend of mine, and he recommended, you know, before you file, do what you can and seek counseling. And so he recommended you, and um, I pursued that luckily. And, yeah, it, it was awesome. But, yeah, we both were young and made some bad personal decisions that, Affected each affected other. Affected each other, yeah. And so, but yeah, reaching out to that friend was definitely a blessing. Mm -hmm. I remember that day when you came to my office and the first thing you said to me is, I think I'm going to get divorced. Yeah. And truly did. And from there, it uh, seems like things got better. Tell us how God worked in your lives individually and in your marriage during that counseling. Um... Well, like I said, we we didn't go to church. God, uh, we didn't, I didn't have a personal relationship with God. Um, and that reflected on all my relationships. As I saw after the, once he was in my life, you could see the difference. Um, so through you and scripture and God and friends and family, um, you know, we got through it, prayed a lot, um, and the more, um, you know, I prayed and I read the scriptures and, uh, we started really talking to each other and, and working everything out, um, the more, the, the hate, I guess, in my heart that had, had formed for my spouse, for Cameron, uh, was starting to fade. And so he, you know, God broke that, broke through that. And uh, I definitely couldn't have done it without him. I mean, there's no way. So. Yeah. What about for you, Cameron, as far as when you think about during that time that we were counseling, how did God work in your life and in your marriage? Yeah, so for me, um, going into counseling, it, you know, God showed me kind of how selfish I had been and how selfish I was. And of course, through that, I became, you know, he helped me become uh, a lot more selfless. And uh, through counseling and through God, I just kind of had to die to myself. And I never really thought of it that way, but I did. 
And so it seemed like once that had happened, it just kind of opened up a whole new light, a whole new door for me personally and for my marriage and for my family. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Well, that's been five years ago, about five yeah. years five ago. Years, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so tell us about some ways that God has continued working in your marriage in the last five years now. What are some ways you would say that God's helped you in the last five years? Um, well, we, after we completed counseling and we decided to stay married and work through it, um, we still had a lot of work to do, obviously, but we joined, we joined Gateway. Um, I was baptized about a year after that. Um, so our relationship with God as, um, in our marriage and individually grew and it saved not only us but our marriage um, yeah. and our family it just yeah once we put him in the center it seemed like everything else just kind of fell into place yeah i mean not that everything else was easy but compared no. to what it had been it was just night and day difference yeah which was awesome um and we grew our family more and you know and it's yeah. just been it's been awesome. We've been blessed by a lot of things um, with Gateway and, you know, our church family, uh, our other, you know, I mean, we've just... Friends every, and family, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Definitely. you feel, I, I felt like I was alone. You know, I thought, um, and in a church, I think you, you don't want people to know that you're going to get a divorce or going through hardships, you know, you could be embarrassed, um, uh, judged, you know, so I, I was happy that God let me feel like it was okay to be vulnerable, which was hard because, you know, we don't want to be vulnerable. It's, right. it leaves too much room for hurt, you know, so the more vulnerable I was, the more I allowed God to get in my heart. I allowed my husband, you know, trust between, I mean, just everything. Um, but I didn't feel alone anymore and it helped in yeah. uh, getting through all that and the things to come. I mean, it's not, it's not the only hard thing we've gone through in the past five years, right. you know, but we've stuck to making sure God's in the center of our marriage and our lives and our kids' lives. And yeah. it has flourished from there, you know. Yeah, nobody in my family has been divorced. None of my friends, I don't think, at least my close friends have been divorced. So you kind of feel like you're the only one mm -hmm. going through it and it's not okay. And it's, you want to seek help, but it's, you kind of want to seek it for people who have been through it. And, I, you know, we really didn't, mm -hmm. I don't feel like we had anybody close to us that have been through it. Um, and then I think through counseling and through God, he really helped us learn how to fight, which sounds like you want to avoid that, but it's kind of important. And so for us, learning how to fight really, really helped. Yeah. It made things a lot easier. Yep. Who usually wins those fights? That's debatable. <laughs> Before she says anything, that's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> He'll say he lets me win, but... So God helped you guys avoid being divorced, and He's helped you in these last five years. Right. And I have two questions for you, Cameron. One of them is, what is the biggest blessing about just staying married? And the second question is, what is the biggest blessing about being married to Ashley? Gotcha. Um, 
So I'd say one of the biggest blessings to stay married, first question, or, or being married, um, I'd say just true, the happiness of being married and, you know, being a family and being together and getting through that time, you kind of, all the times to follow and the certain events that happen kind of mean more and you kind of cherish them a little more. So I would say just really just happiness of staying married. I mean, even, you know, coming home and being married, like the second question to, to Ashley is, um, you know, she really, she's kind of become like my motivation in life for all aspects of life. Um, she is the best wife and mom I, I could ask for for my kids. And um, it just, you know, even on the bad days, you come home and it kind of turns into a good day. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm truly blessed. And, you know, being that God saved our marriage five years ago, he still continues to save it. I think he gets saved a lot more even when we don't notice it. Um, so, yeah, I'm blessed on both of those. That's awesome. And I'll ask you the same, the same question, Ashley. So you obeyed God, you stayed married, and blessings follow. So what to you is, has been the biggest blessing that God has given you in staying married? And what has been the biggest blessing in being married to Cameron? Being married is awesome. I feel like we take it uh, for granted. Uh, we have that person constantly there for us. Um, sometimes whenever we don't want them there, but they're always there, you know? And you always have uh, somebody in your corner, you know? And um, it's the companionship and the love. And for me, it's grown. You know, I look back five years ago and I think, even like you I know how I how I got here uh, but then, but then now <laughs> that was five years ago but now you know I just couldn't imagine being married to anyone else um, him being Cameron being my husband um, he is always makes me laugh um, he, usually at me but Yes, <clears throat> but it keeps me laughing, so um, he's very loving, he's very forgiving, um, he's a great dad, um, so he is a big blessing in my life, and I know that God chose him for me in particular, and so it's a good feeling to know like I am who I'm supposed to be with and spend the much of my life with. And... Another thing is, um, in what I've learned is in marriage, you are constantly, you have to forgive all the time. And forgiveness to some people is very difficult. It was for me. Um, God taught me how to forgive. And, and Cameron, like I said, Cameron forgives me every day. And I just remembered, you know, God forgives me every day, whenever I don't deserve it. <laughs> Cameron, any parting words? You usually get the last word when I talk to you, so any, any last thing you want to say? I think she wrapped it up. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm grateful that the Whitleys would be vulnerable enough to share their story with us. And I want to say this to everybody here today. 
If you're married and you're struggling today, lean on somebody. I mean, you could lean on them. They're here today. They've been, maybe you're considering, maybe you have this thought in your head. You have this temptation. It's really a temptation from the devil. Well, maybe I could get out of this. Well, lean on somebody who's been there. And, and you've got lots of marriages here. You've got lots of people, even people that are widowed or widowers, that they were married for a long time. There's lots of people to lean on if you're struggling in your marriage. I, me and Amy just recently celebrated our anniversary. And uh, Sonia probably don't want me to tell you this, but I will anyways. Barney and Sonia sent us a card. It was so sweet. Thank you guys for doing that. Sent us a card and said a lot of nice things. And at the end, she said, you know, we've been married. It's like you guys have been married for like 100 years. Is that right? Or 60, 62, 65 years, 65 years. Isn't that awesome? Woo, 65. Yes. That's thank you, God, for 65 years. And this is what she said at the end of the card. She said in that whole 65 years, she said, me personally, I never one single time, not one single time did I think about divorce. Homicide twice, but not divorce. So, How can couples stay together? How can any of us make it through horrible times in any of our relationships? Forget about marriage for a second. Think about all the relationships you have. How can we with family and friends and all the different things that we have, how can we make it through horrible times? Paul tells us this. Paul says to be like-minded. In verse 2, he says, love one another. Work together with one mind and one purpose. We need, to, we need to soak in these words. We need to think about, Lord, help this sink into my heart. What exactly does this mean? I think there are many marriages that are like-minded. Many friendships that are like-minded, but not necessarily in a good way. Here's an example. If you make me happy, I'll make you happy. That's like-minded. If both people are saying the same thing, it's just not good. It's not what the Bible says. I'll love you if you love me. That's like-minded too if both people think that way. It's just not what the Bible says to do. I'm glad to work together with one purpose, my satisfaction. And if the other person is thinking the same thing, yeah, me too, I'm glad to work together with one purpose, my satisfaction. That's like-minded, it's just not like-minded in a good way. There's a marriage myth that a lot of people buy into. Marriages, good marriages, here's a good marriage right here. You give 50% and I'll give 50%. And if we both do that, we'll get a 100 on the test. We'll have a good marriage. That's a marriage myth. It rarely works. Paul is saying, that's not how it is with Christians. It's not 50-50. We may feel that way. We may be tempted to act that way sometimes. But the Spirit helps us overcome these temptations by remembering who we are following we are following Christ, which makes us Christians, Christians. The truth about a Christian marriage is this. I give in my marriage, this is the goal, I give 100% of the marriage to the marriage. And Amy gives whatever Amy decides to give. That's between her and God. She's a follower of Jesus. That's between the two of them. And so I give 100% and I, I'm not, now don't get me wrong, I'm talking about goals here, I'm not talking about reality, okay? I mean, I'm being honest with you, but I'm saying this is the goal. I'm going to give 100% 
unconditionally. I give everything. I give it all. I serve. I love. I romantic. Eh, sort of. I, you know, I, I mean, whatever. I do these things that I do in marriage. And I try the very best I can with the help of the Holy Spirit not to expect to get the same back. What kind of like mind? What kind of love and purpose is Paul talking about? The kind that Jesus had. We're getting close to the end here, by the way. This is what he said. He said right here, this is Jesus. That's who we follow. He was a servant. He took the nature of a servant and he fully obeyed God. Now I'll tell you this. If any two people in here, whether you're married or not, or whether you're friends or whether you're mom and, mom and daughter or, or sister and sister, or sister and brother, any two people, if you take this right here and you say, we're going to have this mind. We're going to serve and we're going to obey God. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve and obey God. And the other person says, I'm like-minded. I'm going to serve and I'm going to obey God. What will the result be? If any two people love from that posture, what will the result be? If any two people agree that these two things are our purpose to serve and to obey God, what will follow that? It has been my personal experience it's throughout the Bible it's been my experience to watch in other people's lives that what follows, the result that follows, is blessings from God, peace and joy, and all kinds of blessings that are surprising. It depends, this is another way to look at it real quickly, whether you look at your life from the shape of an A or the shape of a V. Watch this right here. This is an A-shaped life or an ascent, like I'm ascending up, okay? This is pretty natural and normal. I have my own mind. I got my own desires. I got my own goals. I got my own natural tendencies. I, I'm, uh, I'm going to try as best I can to reach my ambitions. My pride is, I want to be prideful. I'm going to be self-important. You know, someday I'm going to flourish. It's a pretty natural way to live our lives, ascending. So natural that it takes supernatural help to do anything different than that. Jesus, He didn't live this A-shaped life. He lived a V-shaped life. Jesus emptied Himself. Jesus served. Jesus had humility. It's so counterintuitive. It so goes against our natural tendencies. As I said a moment ago, we have to have supernatural help in order to follow Jesus on this decent life. Stepping down to service. Stepping down to, I obey God no matter what the cost is. And the difference in, is in the outcomes. If we follow the ascent model, usually, at some point, divisions and bitterness and destruction follow. Because it's selfishness. Selfishness breeds dissent. V model the descent type of life brings blessings from God. Well, wait a second, John. I mean, that's a, pretty big, that's a pretty big thing. If you ask me to live a life like Jesus, to descend down, down, not ascend, but descend, what kind of blessings come from that, John? What are you talking about? I don't know. I don't know what blessings follow. But I'm going to tell you this. I believe the promises of God. And here's one of the promises of God. If you don't memorize Philippians 2, you ought to memorize James chapter 4, verse 10. 
Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up. What's that going to look like? I don't know. I'm not God. I'm not the one who said it. He said it. Jesus trusted himself to God. He trusted himself in God's hands. He humbled himself. He lived this decent V model, and he served others instead of himself. He obeyed God no matter what. And here's the results right here. Look at the results on the screen. Look at this. There's the results right there. It's from the Bible, verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God and the Father. This is what God blessed him with because of his service, his descent, his obedience to God. And the same is true for you and me. We serve others, we obey God, and blessings follow. I just got to finish by personalizing that part that I just read, verses 9 and 10 and 11. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of the Father. And I just got to finish today by asking you this question. Have you confessed His name? Have you bowed your knee? Have you bowed your life down to Jesus Christ. Have you confessed him as the Lord of your life? Now most of you, I don't know everybody in here, but most of you I know you I know you enough, I know you would say yes. Yes, I have and yes I do. I continue to do that in my life on a daily basis. And this is what I would say, praise God. Praise God. I mean, I'm saying, "Yay God." Like, "Way to go, God." I'm not saying, "Way to go, Jace." I'm saying, "Way to go, God." Jace is bending his knee and he's confessing your name. Way to go, God. Great work in Jace's life. And Paul says to all of us that have done that, make me truly happy by being like-minded, by loving one another, by working together with the same purpose to serve and obey. There might be, in a crowd like this, there might be some of you who would say to that question, someday... Someday I'm going to do that. I'm going to bow my knee to Jesus and I'm going to confess his name. I will someday. And I would say to you, you're exactly right. You will, because that's what I just read in the scriptures. It's exactly what's going to happen. But I have another question. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What are you holding on to like we talked about last week? What are you grasping so tight that you go, I just can't let go of that. I'm not ready to do that yet. I'll do it someday. Let go. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the moment God has given you. This is a crossroads in your life. If, If these words are talking to you, it's a crossroads. This is a place that God has brought you to today. You think it's an accident you're here? Are you kidding me? You think it's coincidence? This is God's plan to bring you into this place, this moment, for you to hear this invitation. To hear His plan. Don't wait. Bow your knee. Confess His name today. Let me invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to finish. We started out this morning just talking about, we started talking about the disagreements that we have. The fights that we have. That's what we started talking about in relationships. In any relationship. Marriage, marriage, Friendships, family, anything. 
Let me tell you guys this. Jesus came to settle the most important disagreement in the universe. Jesus came to fix the cosmic conflict. The disagreement that is the biggest disagreement in the whole universe is between God and you. That's the biggest conflict in the whole universe. Your sins, your rebellion caused this disagreement and there's only one way for that conflict to be resolved. And the results are eternal. Eternal life or second death is what the Bible says. That's what hangs in the balance actually right this minute as I'm talking in some hearts. It hangs in the balance right now, right here in your heart. Jesus Jesus lived a V-shaped, descent life. He gave up His place in heaven. He was born in a barn. He got on His knee to serve everybody around Him. He laid His body down. Nobody threw it down. Nobody dragged in there. He laid His body down on a cross for sins. He did all of that for you. Lean on Him today, now. Lean into His loving, wide open arms that He has like this. Just lean into them. Lean into Jesus. Stop resisting. Don't wait any longer. And if you have bowed your knee, you have confessed Him as your Savior, but you've never in your whole life been baptized into Christ, let's do that today. What are you waiting for on that? Lean back in the water. It's just, le- it's just lean. Lean back. Lean back into the water and, and be raised up. You don't even get to raise yourself up. Another person raise you up. It's all representative of what God does. He totally saves us. Maybe you need prayer today for your relationship with a, fa- a family member or a friend. Maybe you need prayer today for your marriage. Maybe you're ready to lean on Jesus to be your Savior. So we're going to have an invitation song. God's drawing your heart. Do not resist Him. Do not resist the Holy Spirit in what He's doing today. Let's stand and let's sing. You come.